Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Kathy, big hug across the airwaves. <laughs> that we're on YouTube live, so they had to put us in different. They want to separate us, Kathy. <laughs> I know, right? Can they stand the heat? I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me on, Don. Absolutely, Kathy. So uh, take me. We uh, Anthony's grabbing a little clip from one of your late latest podcasts. So we want to. We'll play a little bit of that at the end, and maybe you can talk to us about the issue of homelessness, some of the issues that I know that are near and dear to your heart. But I, I know, Kathy, that you had been tweeting out about the tragic situation with our, our three patriots, our latest, our military mm-hmm. veterans, three of them, including a, a man from Willingboro, his widow speaking out that I had talked about earlier. Right. And, and you know, take me through that situation. It's a local story, but it's an international story as well. As we think about these three families getting this news, uh, two of our patriots in their early 20s, and of course, locally, um, a father of a teenage, you know, teenage child, a husband, the widow now will be at Dover on, on Friday to see his flag draped uh. coffin. Your reaction to that and w- what you were tweeting about? Yeah, you know, you know, I, I, I guess my first thought when I heard about this was why? Why do we have over, I think, 3,000, 3,000 of our boys and girls in Jordan? Why? Other than to be a target. And so that's my first thought. And I'm sure that's the first thought of so many Americans. Like we have very real problems all around us trying to pick a problem is like trying to drink from a fire hydrant. It's just so much, right? And so when you think about where we should be allocating our resources and our young men and women, they are an asset to our nation. One would think, I think, they should be at our own southern border protecting our own nation Mm -hmm. from invasions. But instead, 3,000, I believe, I, I don't know, I, I, 2,000 is popping up in my head, but I think it's more like 3,000 of American troops are in Jordan. And why? Why are we in Jordan right now other mm-hmm. than being sitting ducks? And so I find this to be um, unnecessary, unnecessary that our young men and women are, are, are at the border. You know, my other thought is, you know, I can't escape. The reality that my oldest, my son, Carl Jr., is about to turn 18. And when our young men in America turn mm-hmm. 18, they have to go and register. Um, what is it called? Um, um, for, yes. When they have to register for the for civil service. Yes. Right. 
And I'm also thinking, because I'm an informed American, we have our military enrollment. There's a deficit of roughly 25%. And so I'm thinking all of these thoughts that my baby, you know, by Mm -hmm. the grace of God, will never have his life just kind of thrown into the wind. If we, I mean, I was in the military. I served 10 years and I made a conscious decision that if I was called to lay my life down, I would, but not recklessly. I love my life like everybody else loved their life. I'm sure these three Americans love their lives as as well as in, as much as anyone else. And so when you sign up to to put your life on the line, not for an administration, but for the Constitution, for this wonderful experiment we call America. You don't want you want to make sure that your leaders are being deliberate and thoughtful um, and judicious about the decisions that they're making and how they're allocating their people. Yeah. And you talked about the troops, you know, and those who. Even recently, I'll say within within the last month, we saw more than a thousand local individuals who were gathering in Trenton to say to say goodbye, to bid farewell to their families. And so it was a a huge event that we covered here and all the local media did. And we all at the point, you know, to your point, Kathy, to think about that, that we keep sending over, you know, twelve hundred here, another fifteen hundred there. I believe I'm looking up the numbers just to just to give the sense of it scattered throughout the Middle East, about 30,000. So and you think about that number being bolstered into your point about Jordan. And we still don't have the answer as to why, why, in fact, they weren't able to do what they've always done when these enemy drones come in. Usually they just shoot them down. And they're able to disable them. I don't think we're ever going to get the answers to that. Like, I don't think we've still gotten answers to why we scurried out of Afghanistan in the manner in which we did. Um, I don't think we still have gotten answers on when do we know we've won the war in Ukraine? I mean, we're sending billions of our dollars uh, there. We're sending uh, thousands of our troops to go and defend other people's borders. And we still don't know where the money is going, what our troops are actually doing, um, and when, and what a win actually looks like. And so, I mean, like, this is just unacceptable. We do not belong to the government. We are not here at the, at the behest of the government. It is we, the people, for a reason. Our government is supposed to, uh, kowtow down to us and they are supposed to serve our interest as Americans. And so, I mean, like there's just a lot of frustrations, um, uh, within the veteran community and how veterans are being treated to our own Southern border. Again, I mean, I trying to pick an issue that Americans are contending with is truly like trying to drink from a, a fire hydrant yeah, these it's days. Well put. I mean, with the border and, you know, just our prayers with U.S. Army Reserve, uh, the families of these U.S. Army Reserve soldiers and locally Sergeant William Rivers, 46 years old, Willing, mm. Willingboro, New Jersey native. And I know that I just wanted to, to, you know, I just want to point that out because I think, Kathy, it puts in perspective Yeah, the freedoms. When we talk about freedom, you know, these families this week as they grieve, this is real, the price of freedom. Yeah. And who pays that price and the price of poor or horrible policies. Yes. This is the price. 
Yes, you know, I remember when I was on the campaign trail with Vivek, and like most presidential candidates, they always want to go to the southern border. And Vivek eventually went not just to the southern border, but to the northern border as well. We don't get enough people talking about our northern border. It is as porous, if not more porous than our southern border. Um, but I remember talking to Vivek. Could you remember this? I yeah. brought Vivek to Pennsylvania. Yes. I here said, Philadelphia. yes, I did. I took him to Kensington first. One of our first stops was in Kensington. And as I explained to Vivek, you don't need to go to the southern border to see the impact of these ridiculous policies coming from the left. You can just go to Kensington, right? Right yeah. here in Pennsylvania. Kensington is a reflection of every bad idea that has ever been shoved down our throats as American. You want to see inflation, the impact of inflation, go to Kensington. You want to see the impact of Black Lives Matter forcing police officers to either retire or just hands off altogether, go to Kensington. You want to see the impact of an open border, Kensington, uh, the impact of fentanyl flooding through our southern border and onto the streets of America, go to Kensington. And so, I mean, like, this is what we're contending with. And it's not some far off location like California, (laughs) which seems like a completely different universe right now. But it's right here in our own backyard. And so you're absolutely correct when you think about, you know, uh, um, the uh, the soldiers and the lives that have been lost and is being as close as New Jersey. It is very real. And I am hopeful that Americans are paying attention starting right here in Pennsylvania. We have some very big decisions coming up in the primary election and then the general election. And we need sober leadership. Amen. So speaking of Vivek, you're hot off the, the campaign trail. So the latest controversy with, with, with Vivek oh, no. was, you know, that he said the Super Bowl could be rigged because of Taylor Swift and the Internet. I think he blew up the Internet. He did. I think that I mean, when I looked yesterday, it was like at 2.2 oh, million views. Let me tell you, I heard you guys talking about it yesterday and I literally picked up the phone and called Vivek. I said, Vivek. They are talking about you <laughs> and that doggone tweet. <laughs> I tried to explain to him, you are a conservative. You don't have the luxury any longer to joke or to conjecture or to just throw out like wild mm-hmm. conspiracies. You don't yep. have that nope. luxury. He didn't know. He was like, Kathy, I was just joking. I just threw that out there and I said it in the tweet. He actually said it. But he He's like, people are taking it seriously. I was like, yes, Vivek, you're one of us now. Yeah. You're conservative. You don't have that luxury. <laughs> I tried to. I said, what? Well, yeah, I was I was doing everything I could. I brought up deflate gate, Tom Brady's deflated balls with Belichick. I, I did everything. I did my due diligence. I, Greg Stocker was ready. He's still ready to lose his mind over it. I, I did my best. Captain. Can you stop getting our news from Twitter? <laughs> yes. Oh. But we had some fun with it. Even brought up Joe Namath history, but he was just kidding. That's just it, Kathy. If you're a conservative, you're in a whole new category. I mean, tinfoil hat starts coming Mm -hmm. out. And unfortunately, in our world, right, like the left, they could say some of the most ridiculous hinge comments and everyone's like, okay, well, that's an isolated Yes. Comment, right? Mm. That just belongs to that person. They not were us. just kidding. Not us. Not us. We don't enjoy that 
that that that privilege mm-hmm. of of not being lumped in, right? And so, yes, Vivek was not serious. He doesn't believe that it is uh, that the NFL is. Um, uh, rigged. Uh, he was just throwing it out there because everyone else was kind of talking about it, but he's learning, right? Yeah. He's new. <laughs> he's new to being a conservative and he's a conservative by fire, right? He did, he wasn't born into the Republican Party. He wasn't born into this, uh, conservative movement. He has, like me, like so many others, we have come to the truth just by our lived experience. For mm-hmm. Vivek, he had to step down from being CEO of a multi-billion dollar company that he started he created from it. scratch because of Black Lives Matter and all of that foolishness during 2020 when they came to his door as a CEO and and told him you either take the knee or we're going to destroy your company and he decided not to take the knee but to step down. Yeah, speaking of taking the knee, think about you know what we just talked about three service members all three african american yep and i and i do wonder and i and i i wonder this all aloud not because it's my original thought i saw veteran groups and in particular african american mm-hmm. black so called black and brown veteran groups saying i wonder if now seeing the images of these great americans who are african americans who paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedoms wonder now if maybe athletes will think twice about taking the knee. Yeah, you know what? I I I I I did think about that. I, I was tempted to post, <laughs> but I am create. I'm 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 having restraint on what it what exactly I post out there on Twitter. But that was one of my thoughts. Uh, you know, um, and wondering if yeah. the black community is paying attention and is aware and will you know let go of these notions that you know that it's. You know, that this country is not our country, all of our country, my country, your country, that it's, you know, if you're an American, then it's all of our country and that you have so many people who are um, willingly, because we have a voluntary military, uh, who are willingly putting their lives in harm's way uh, so that the rest of us can go on Twitter and make all kinds of, you know, spurious claims. Um, It is my hope. I don't know if, if, if the black community is paying attention to things like that, um, because, uh, again, a lot of damage has been done to our country and how we think as a people. Well, part of that is the hatefulness that, in fact, it's it used to be that at least we could we could have conversations about politics and respectfully disagree. And so where we are now is a is a place of. It's just easier to say, well, that person or that candidate is ist, whether they're racist, they're sexist, what have you. And so it's not about the policies that individual supports, but rather that, oh, so and fill in the blank. And they did it to you when you ran for for Senate here in Pennsylvania. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. 
saying you were homophobic or I, I looked at your Wikipedia. We have to check. We have to do your we have to redo some things for Kathy's pages. It just lies about you. I don't even care anymore. I know, I mean, but I, I care. Right? I'm not taking down any posts. I didn't take down a one of those tweets that they highlighted. I'm not. Uh, go, I'm not spending a dime on trying to rewrite uh, Twitter. You guys now have. Fetterman. <laughs> so hopefully that is enough right. of um of 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 the impetus of the whatever whatever yes. is needed for people to start thinking straight. Although I have to say, these last couple of weeks, Fetterman is beginning to sound more and more like a conservative, which brings me to the real point, right? Because I think it's more than just hate. I think I think people I think a lot of people are suffering from mental health issues right now. I believe there's a mental health crisis. I don't, I think it is expanding beyond what we may have, what, you know, what, what mental health may have looked like Mm -hmm. or mental health issues may have looked like for us in the past. You know, I remember thinking this so clearly when I was in Iowa with Vivek, he's doing all of these events. And then these young white kids, you know, they're always young white kids who looked very well taken care of, looked like they haven't had a single struggle a day in their life. They jump up in the middle of him speaking and they're just passionate and they're just, you're killing us and you're killing your children and shame, shame. And there's no logic. There was no debating. There was no, here are my facts. Let me listen to your facts. Let's see if we can. No, it's just, 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 I mean, it's not so much hate, it's just fear. And but what but what grabbed me is that these kids believe this. <laughs> they really believe they are about to die and that this is their service to their country and to the planet. And it just seemed so unhinged. Yes. That I thought to myself, I mean, and and I get it because we're we're in a constant state of fear, right? Yeah. Like you got to fear this. You got to fear that. And the moment you think you could take a breath. Nope. Here's something else you have to fear. You can't just fear macro aggressions. You got to find the micro yes. aggressions and life. Right. And you got to be fearful all the time. And that is has we rewired our brains and I'm I'm looking at it on the ground. I'm not just sitting at home on Twitter saying this. I am out here on the ground with our people all across the nation. And this is real. Mm-hmm. This mental health has expanded yes. beyond what we may have thought it looked should look like. So true. It it is real. I have to ask you something because people people ask me this all the time because in this area in Pennsylvania, people love Kathy Barnett. Everybody loves Kathy. And we all know what happened. I'm not going to revisit the whole thing. Yeah. But early on, and it was actually recently we talked about, um, you know, the celebration of life that happens on Capitol Hill, ever the March for Life that happens every year. And it was during your campaign. And I'd asked you to come on. And all of a sudden, you know, we started, we all started noticing. And I think you, and I remember you saying, oh, I'm, I'm just going 24-7, and you were across Pennsylvania, Kathy, and you were doing the old-fashioned due diligence of a campaign, and nobody thought you had a chance. Right. You were knocking on doors, just cold calling, as we say, yep. and just saying, here I am, I'm Kathy Barnett, 
and please give me a moment of your time. And this is why I'm asking for your vote. And guess what happened? The people, people responded. Happy Barnett. <laughs> oh my God. I, let me tell you, I'm like a weeping individual <laughs> because I love Pennsylvanians. I met so many amazing people. We have some of the best people yes. right here in Pennsylvania. And I saw them. And not only did I see them, but you know, you mentioned a county to me. I see faces. I yeah. remember their stories. I remember sitting in people's homes. This is like just two people and I'm spending like an hour yes. with them and, and breaking bread and getting to know people. And, and these people became warriors for me. They yes. were just beating the pavement. I didn't have any money. I only had $1.6 million. Right. And I only had three full-time people, um, a driver, a scheduler, and one field director. And just hundreds of volunteers who would spend eight hours at their daytime job and who then come pull another 10 hours from me, crisscrossing the state. It wasn't just about me. And I just fell in love with the people here and and it, and it and 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 it's what has motivated me that even though the election last year did not go the way that I had anticipated it going I mean I you know those those things those those things that motivated me as a stay-at-home mom homeschooling my kids to get involved in politics in the first place mm -hmm. even after that race and how it ended they were still my reasons. I love this country. I love our people. And I, I earnestly believe that if good people don't get off the sidelines and get involved, whatever that may be, maybe you're not going to do what I did, but looking around and finding things to get involved in, we're going to lose this country. And so those are still my reasons. That's the reason why it was so effortless for me to roll right into Vivek. He's amazing. Uh, he is, he's an amazing human being. We would have been the lucky ones. I earnestly believe that. But even today, still looking for ways to get involved and to educate. Okay. So with Vivek Rump, as far as Vivek goes, and I was honored to meet him and I feel he, I say, I believe Vivek will be president dot, dot, dot someday because <laughs> he's, he's not, the man's not even 40 and he has so much energy and I know he'll be in the next administration. But for you, my question for you, and this is a question that I'm I'm asking on behalf of so many who support you and are still asking this question, do you forgive Sean Hannity? Do you forgive Donald J. Trump? Sean especially, because <laughs> I still get it that, mm. that, I mean, I know that there was like a Bible study in Leviticus and you were quoting something and then maybe they were afraid or whatever that, uh-oh, she's too Christian or she's too conservative. I am Christian. I love it. I love myself some Jesus. <laughs> and I will never <laughs> back down on it. You got people out here talking about a man can be a woman, a woman can be a man, <laughs> that, uh, that, that body parts don't matter. If they can say this boldly, guess what, Christians? <laughs> we should be able to say boldly yeah. that I believe in Jesus Christ and what he has done in my life. And so I'm unashamed of it. And, um, and you're not homophobic. You no, repeatedly said I, all I, this. I want, I want, I want to everybody to live their best life. Go live your best life. You like it, I love it. But what I do believe is that when your view of the world begins to infringe upon my view of the world, according to the U.S. Constitution, this is when people like 
you and I should be able to sit down and have a conversation, yes. right? And I should not just be labeled something, especially That's not right. something 10 years ago, right? Like these people went way back in Twitterdom to find, mm-hmm. you know, not even full tweets, but just right. portions of tweets. And then they made, an, I don't even know what I said. I know. They don't even know what I said like because it was story. 10 plus years ago. But do you forgive? Do you f- I mean, oh, you know you what? Listen, I refuse. What, what what I what I refuse to do is hold bitterness in my heart because I believe um, I believe I have a destination. Uh, I've always believed that. I always believed I was going somewhere, and to harbor hatred in my heart, uh, it was only going to block me from seeing the many opportunities that are all around. Had I been stewing and ruminating and what these people did, because I earned my place yes, <laughs> in did. that race. No one gave That's me anything. Right. Uh, I didn't have a big name. I didn't mm-hmm. inherit it from my daddy. I went out there by the grace of God with an amazing group of people alongside me and I earned my place. And so to see people come and try to kneecap me and take that away. I mean, there are reasons to be bitter, but I, I remember having one of those come to Jesus moments of, you know, are you going to be bitter now? And I just reject bitterness. I, I don't see it benefiting other people in their lives. I certainly don't want it to hinder me. I am un in, I'm unencumbered by the hate. Yeah. Now, will I forget? No, I don't have amnesia. <laughs> I, I don't have to forget, right? Yeah. Because I think those things teach us about how yeah. to show up. If you thought politics was dirty by just sitting on your couch and listening to this, mm-hmm. let me tell you, after four years of walking behind the curtains, I am here to tell you it is dirtier and more despicable than you can ever imagine. And it does cause my heart sadness when I see, you know, what we call quote unquote leaders and what they are mm-hmm. or are not doing for these really amazing people that I have gotten to know over the years as I've as I've ran my own campaign and now running alongside Vivek, I believe our people deserve better than what they have. And so my desire is that as doors of opportunities open up for me to run through those doors, I'm not begging <laughs> uh, like I wasn't begging during that senatorial race. I believe what I believed in that senatorial race. I still believe today that if people know they have a better option, that they will have the good sense to choose it. And um, and I saw that in action, and I will continue to live by that. Well, Kathy Barnett, we're we want we we're out of time, but I where do people <laughs> find your podcast if they haven't? I know they already have, but. Just yes. say your podcast. I'm so excited. It. Yes, I'm so excited. We're landing in the top 100 of Ooh. Apple Podcasts almost, almost every single week. I'm very excited about yep. that. Again, it's just the people. Go to Apple Podcasts. Go to YouTube. All of those places. Go to my Twitter, Kathy for Truth. Um, I am just, I'm very excited. I'm very grateful to the people. I am only relevant because of you guys. So thank you. Well, uh, if I have my way, we'll see and hear a lot more of <laughs> Kathy for Truth, Kathy Barnett. But my friend, I love you. I think the world of you, you are more amazing than people even know. So, yes, love you back. Love you, Don. Kathy Barnett. (laughs) 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.